Recently, Pat Flynn over at Smart Passive Income talked about the new hot marketing tool that isn't new but is often forgotten, and that's email. Well, today, our guest, AJ Gould, has built a, a business around the fact that there are lots of people who haven't forgotten email and that there are scores of people who are remembering the importance of email in their marketing effort. AJ built GMAS, a Gmail extension that allows you to send marketing campaigns right from the Gmail interface that we all know and love. In this episode, we got to talk marketing, development, and much more. I got to pick his brain about building a uh, Chrome extension, which I thought was super interesting. And of course, AJ gives us lots of great and actionable advice. So let's get to it. But first, here is a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it, and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site, and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It. You can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code how I built it. Use those today. Increase your engagement and sales on your WordPress site. Thanks to Ahoy for their support of this show. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is AJ Gole, the founder of GMAS. AJ, how are you today? I'm doing great and I'm excited to be here, Joe. Yes, thanks so much for coming on the show. You booked at a point right before I got sick and then I traveled and then I moved into a new house. So uh, I have you in Evernote like four times uh, based on each time we've had to reschedule. So I'm, I'm glad that we're able to finally get together and do this. Yeah. And then I got sick eventually as well and had to reschedule. So I think that just makes for what is going to be an awesome episode because the wait has been so long. Yes. Yes. We've been building it up like waiting for the next Star Wars movie. Um, so uh, hopefully the next Star Wars movie will be good. So this age as well. Uh, <laughs> so uh, why don't we uh, start off with who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a software developer by profession. I've also been an entrepreneur for most of my career. And GMAS is my product and my business. GMAS is a Chrome extension for Gmail that lets you send email marketing campaigns from directly inside your Gmail account. That's that's fantastic. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about this for a few reasons because I'm a software developer myself, but I've never written a Chrome extension. Uh, I'm usually in the realm of PHP, JavaScript, and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, I I I love this idea of um 
being able to send uh, email marketing campaigns right from Gmail, right? Because I feel like you've probably found this yourself in the quest for the perfect email client. A lot of people generally fall back to Gmail. Uh, Yeah. So I live my life in Gmail all day and all night when I'm working and I wanted an easy way to send email campaigns without leaving that environment. And a few years ago, when I first started working on this, I assumed that somebody had to have already built this because it it seemed like such an obvious idea. And it turned out that a couple people had tried, but because, because Gmail has never done a good job of supporting developers that build on top of Gmail, they weren't very well-designed products. And so I saw this opportunity. Awesome. I, I, I love that. Um, I mean, I, I don't love the lack of support that Google provides to Gmail developers, but I love that uh, you, you first were like, for sure, somebody wrote this and then you saw the opportunity. So it's, it's like, uh, I, I feel like if you see a product that is just so-so, uh, there's like two schools of thought, right? I can make it better or there's a reason this developer is not making it better and it's probably not financially feasible or it's it's not worth it. Uh, so you took the more positive path here. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, email marketing has been on a growth trajectory as an industry ever since the early 2000s. And actually, I had another email marketing company that I built and sold prior to starting work on GMAS. So when I saw that there wasn't already a good plugin for Gmail, and when I recognized that I'm already sort of an email marketing expert, I decided that I have to be the person to build this. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Um, and you're absolutely right about email marketing, right? Because I think a lot of people, well, at least let's say like the mindset two or three years ago was like email is dead. Long live Twitter and Facebook as the best way to get to people. But since I've started this show, more, uh, more and more of my guests have said email is so important. It's been their main driver of their business. Growing their email list is their, their number one goal to get an audience, like a, a good, like qualified audience, right? That's what you're really looking for. Yeah, it's interesting because, so I have a lot of entrepreneur friends and just to give you a counter perspective to what you just said, I have a couple of entrepreneur friends who are not in tech who have pretty much given up on email. So they don't use email as a medium anymore. However, the vast majority of entrepreneurs, especially tech entrepreneurs and people inside these organizations, are using email more and more often. And the biggest evidence I see of that, because I'm always worried about the death of email, because the death of email Mm -hmm. represents the death of my career and the death of my company. (laughs) But the thing that I look for is anytime I send out a campaign to my own users, it's the most exciting thing for any email marketer after sending out a campaign is watching those stats come in and Mm -hmm. seeing who's opening your email and when they're opening your email. And sending out an email campaign compared to any other communication channel like posting a Facebook message or or 
tweeting a tweet or posting on any social network, the time it takes for those opens to come in immediately after sending an email campaign, like I'm talking seconds, like emails get open within like seconds, minutes uh, after sending a, a big email campaign out. And that's pretty good evidence of how, how tied people are to their email accounts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, personally speaking, like emailers are the first thing I check in the morning, though I feel that's really unhealthy and I shouldn't. Uh, I just can't help it. Like I pick up my phone and I look at the time and I'm like, I wonder what emails came in overnight. Um, so I, I, I fully believe that. And, uh, I, you know, and I know that some people, like you said, maybe people not in the tech space, like the influencer space is probably more like Instagram or Instagram stories or whatever as a good way to reach your audience. But um, as far as like, in my experience and the people I've talked to, like you said, those qualified leads, those people who are on your mailing list are the people that you're most likely the most connected to. Um, so um, as you, so you found that there were some extensions doing what you wanted to do, but they weren't very good. What was your next step? Did you have a feature set in mind? Did you talk to other people about this idea? My next step was to just scope out what I wanted my minimum viable product to be. And I already knew that. That didn't take very long. Within yeah. five minutes, I could write down what I wanted it to do. And all I wanted it to do, and this is still the core essence of the product today, but all I wanted the plugin to do was to make it so that a button sat next to the normal send button in Gmail. And I wanted my button to act slightly differently from the normal Gmail send button in that if I put 20 addresses in the two line and then put in a subject and put in a message, just like I would normally type an email in Gmail and send, if I hit the send button, I know that that one email is going to go to all 20 people and those 20 addresses in the two field will be visible to all 20 people that receive the email. Mm -hmm. What I wanted my button to do was to take those 20 addresses in that two field and send individual emails. So 20 individual emails with just the one address showing up at the two field. So splitting the two field up into individual emails. That's all I wanted the plugin to do initially. That's great. That is, well, I mean, that's you being a good internet citizen, right? Because I have been on newsletters where they forgot to either do the BCC field or something like you did. And then I was privy to all of the responses because the other people decided to reply all. Um, yeah, instead of right. Just replying to the sender. Yeah. Uh, this happened mostly in the higher ed space. Like I, we use this one software product that emailed their entire customer base more than once and then and then I got all the responses in my inbox and those were terrible days. Uh, but well, that's, that's poorly designed software. And I, um, uh, I'm flattered that you're calling me a good internet citizen because most people, when they learn what I do for a living and what GMS is uh, good internet citizen are not the, the words that come to mind. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, it's taken me a few years to, to, to figure out that, um, had the importance of email marketing, right? It works. Obviously, it works. And if you do it in a good way, then you can really connect to your your user base, right? Like, I mean, if you're sending them an email like every hour, like buy this new thing, like that's 
that's being a bad internet citizen, but that's also not email marketing. That's just kind of spamming people you know, right? Like a- Absolutely. I mean, we, yeah. we promote the ethical use of our tool and the ethical use of email to communicate with people. Um, although we do have um, bad actors that are always trying to sneak around our filters. Right, absolutely. And, and every, every piece of software will have that, right? There's, right. Uh, there's like an ongoing... Uh, let's say like there's an ongoing, uh, I don't know, debate in the WordPress space and the hosting space about various websites that are being hosted by people or various websites that are using WordPress and whether they should be allowed to based on their message, right? So it's, I mean, I'm not sure where you're based. I'm based in the United States. Um, yeah, where, me too. I'm in yeah, Milwaukee. Cool. Very cool. I, I figured as much, but I never want to assume. Um I think we're on like a similar time zone, I think I noticed. But uh, uh, anyway, so I mean, you know, the First Amendment is is a very important thing. And and so who are the bad actors? Who are the... That's a, a little bit of a tangent, though, because there are definitely <laughs> bad email actors. We can get um, into the Constitution if you want. I know. I uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if the listeners are ready for that, but <laughs> maybe I'll release that as a bonus later. Um, so, uh, okay. So you had your minimum viable product. Uh, at this point, were you using anything like any, let's say, prof- well, first of all, what's the time frame here? Like around what year is this? This is 2015. Okay, cool, cool. So were you using um, any other mailing list service like MailChimp or ConvertKit? I don't know if ConvertKit was around then. Uh, I think it was. I think okay, it was. Yeah. So I was not. So I had uh, I had built another email marketing platform called Django Mail, which was a lesser known platform, not quite as popular as MailChimp. Ran that for 10 years and sold it. And so if I was going to use another external platform, it was probably going to be that because I was mm-hmm. most familiar with it because I sure. built it. <laughs> but I've kind of always been of the mindset that if I'm going to do anything in email, because email is where my expertise lies, I tend to play this mental game with myself where I tell myself that let's say I want a particular email automation functionality or a particular email marketing feature. And let's say there are other products that have it and I really need it. I play this game with myself where I forbid myself from doing what I need to do until I build it inside my own product. So to answer your question in a long way, no, I was not using any other platform. And when I finally needed a platform because of the work that I was doing at the time, I decided I wasn't going to send an email campaign until I had built my own product to do what I wanted. And that's what GMAS was. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up 
on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. Let's get into the title question then. We've we've set this up. You found the uh you you found that there were tools, but you wanted to improve upon them. You had your MVP. How did you build it? How did you decide I'm gonna make this a Chrome extension? Uh well, I mean, I guess that's a, a pretty easy answer, but um, you know, what was what were the the pre-development considerations that you made? Yeah, sure. So I had already uh, built another Chrome extension that was another plugin for Gmail that did something entirely differently. It was a proofreading and editing plugin. And so I had become familiar with the world of Chrome extensions. And actually, it was an effort I was uh, going forward with with that product that led me to this need of being able to communicate with 20 or 30 people at once, needing mm-hmm. to send a personalized email. And So that's the genesis of the idea. And then because I had already built this other Chrome extension that also added a button next to the send button, I had the fundamentals down. So I knew Mm -hmm. I could pretty quickly spec out in my head how the first version of GMAS should work. Now, my skills were in using this library that this company in California called Streak had just introduced that made it possible to add all sorts of buttons and widgets to the Gmail interface. So this company in California called Streak created this library called Inbox SDK just a few months prior to me launching the initial version of GMAS that made it really easy to hack the Gmail interface. So I mentioned earlier how Gmail has never really supported developers that have built stuff on top of Gmail. Mm-hmm. So this company came along and made the jobs of all these developers that had been trying for years to hack the Gmail interface with some success here and there, uh, made our jobs a lot easier. So I jumped onto this library and built GMAS on top of this library. Now, where I lacked skills was in the back-end programming part. So this library allowed me to do the front-end part, which is add the buttons into the Gmail interface and control how the user interacts with the product. But I didn't really know any back-end programming. I used to when I built my prior company, but my skills were so outdated, they were basically irrelevant at this point. So for that piece, I hired a friend of mine from high school who is a back-end programmer to write that initial functionality that takes those addresses in the two fields, splits those up into individual addresses, and basically in a software loop, loops through those addresses and kicks off those emails. So he built that part, I built the front end part, and within a week I had a working version of GMS. Wow, that's really interesting. So uh, first of all, is this library still around? Streak? Yeah, Inbox SDK? yeah, cool. yeah. Streak, Streak is one of the most popular CRM systems in the Google okay. system. And Inbox SDK is now used by thousands of developers. Awesome. That's that's really interesting. Um, so let me let me start here because I I'm I don't know this. What language? Uh, in which in what language do you write a Chrome extension? JavaScript. It's pure JavaScript. JavaScript. Yep. Okay, that was probably an assumption I could have made. Um, <laughs> I, should, I should have said so. <laughs> that's. Uh, I feel like like Google writes everything in like they write Google actually has a tool that converts 
Java to JavaScript and or, or vice versa, right? They have a compiler oh. that does something like that. I learned about that in grad school. Okay, uh, so maybe they probably. I mean, it's been that's been a while, so they probably killed it because they yeah, like to right. do that too. Um, I haven't heard anyone reference Java in a long time. Yeah, that's. Uh, I had to write Java or something like Java for my master's thesis because I it was uh, being built on an Android phone, the oh. first Android phone, oh. actually. I remember uh, college. In college, Java was supposed to be like the whole future of the world. Well, yeah. I, well, college. I should I should put some context around that. This was twenty two years ago, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm getting close to that. Let's see. I I went. I graduated in 07 and got my master's in 09. So. A uh, little more than ten years for me, yeah. but I mean, same thing. I like we JavaScript was uh, not being taught in college when I went to college, and we were still doing Java because that was supposed to be the language, the cross-platform yeah, language. Exactly. Yeah, right. those good old applets. Yes, exactly. Uh, I I know some some of my professors who are still running Java applets. On their website, so they wrote their website <laughs> in HTML. I don't know if they work anymore, um, but they it's they're still there. I see the little icon that's like, yeah, "Hey, you Java need to coffee. enable Java." I, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, what about the back end part? Was that also JavaScript? No, so that was okay. C sharp. So, okay. so that's wow. where uh, that's where I didn't have any skills at the time. So C sharp was the back end language, and SQL Server was the database platform. Um, gotcha. My entire career, the stuff I've built has generally been on the Microsoft platform, mm-hmm. which isn't, I guess, highly regarded in the startup tech community, but it's what uh, I've always known and been familiar with. And my my dad was a software developer, and that's what he used. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like been in the family for a long time. Nice. No, I love that's really cool. Um, I mean, I I I used C sharp for a little bit, and I I liked it. Um. Yeah, but I know what you mean. I mean, today, especially like, it's like, have you heard Gatsby? Have you heard of Gatsby? You need to try Gatsby now. And I'm like, two months you were telling me to use React. I don't uh, yeah. like, I just, I just want to use something for more than like a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shifting <laughs> platforms is, is hard because there are so many like little undocumented intricacies and yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you're always going to have technical debt, like no matter what you do, right? Unless you never launch, then you'll never have any technical debt. But like to to want to switch platforms because this thing is newer um, creates a lot of other overhead and headache. Um, you know, I, I I think if it's the best tool for the job, use it. But don't just use it because it's new is my personal philosophy. Definitely. So if C Sharp and, and SQL Server work best for you, and it, it I mean, I, is it still... It's still there. Yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. Is. yeah. I don't know why there are so many haters for the the Microsoft platform. Yeah, um, it's uh, because it, it's fun. It's fun to hate Microsoft. Yeah, right, uh, right. But I think they're doing some good work. That's like hot take. I like Microsoft and the work they're doing. Um, <laughs> cool. So, uh, so you have this JavaScript front end using Inbox SDK. Uh, the back end is C Sharp and SQL Server. Um, so. Uh, I guess you're making kind of an asynchronous call. You have the button showing up in Gmail. Yep. Uh, you press that button and it takes that data and sends it via um, Ajax, quote unquote. I don't know if Ajax is like an outdated term now. Oh, no, you're right. The Chrome <laughs> extension is making Ajax calls and JavaScript yep. to the back end, which is written in C Sharp. I'm impressed with your lingo, uh, Joe. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, 
Uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's what's happening. So actually in the very first version in that minimum viable product, let's say I had a thousand addresses in the two line and you hit that GMAS button, you put in a subject, put in a message, hit that GMAS button in real time, it loops through and is now sending one email at a time until it does all 1000. And you might imagine that because that's happening right in front of you on your mm-hmm. screen, it basically freezes up your Chrome browser for yeah. duration of the sending of that 1000 emails. So that was a problem. So the first like evolution of GMAS after that first version was to make it happen asynchronously so that you hit the GMAS button, you're given like an all clear, good job, success, you did it kind of message. And then in the background, without interfering with your current work, the email starts to send. Nice. Very nice. Um, that's really cool. So send everything to the server and then you're doing this through Gmail. So at some point that information gets passed back um, and Gmail, I guess, I'll, Gmail allows that, or you are all, are you also simulating that through um, like button clicks with JavaScript? Yeah, good question. So, yeah. Gmail had allowed that by the time I started working on GMAS. So, okay. Gmail had just released an API about a year prior, an API for backend developers. So, the entire set of GMAS functionality is built on top of the Gmail API. So, nice. the timing of building GMAS was fortunate because just a year prior, Gmail had released its API and just a few months prior, Streak had come out with Inbox SDK. So I now had the library for the back end and I now had the library for the front end. Nice. So so timing was really good for you. And I timing think that's was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important too, right? Like if, you know, if, if uh, I have this idea that's like 10 years ahead of its time, yep. uh, it's not going to be unfeasible. And if yep. I have the idea like probably 12 months after the tools are available, I'm not going to have the first to market anymore. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of, a lot of the famous tech companies that people know about, you know, Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are successful because of timing. And I don't think timing is talked about enough, like in the community of how to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's so true. Um, Cool. So, uh, man, we've been talking for a while, but this is really interesting to me. Um, I, I, I don't write enough code in my day-to-day anymore, so I have to live vicariously now through other developers. Um, and it's not like anybody's fault. I just started a business where I create online courses and do podcasting, yeah. so I need to find time to make coding my side hustle. Um, and uh, so... Uh, what so you said the the first major evolution right was was making sure things happened asynchronous asynchronously and performant yeah. uh, they were performant. Um, what are what are some of the other evolutions uh, that have happened right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think I'm most curious about this um, is because there are really popular uh, mailing list tools. You know, is there or or actually, you know what? Let me rewind. You mentioned stats, so why don't we talk about stats? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the, that was one of the key features that was added at fairly quickly after launch, I'm sure within a couple of months and the basic stats with any email campaign are open tracking and click tracking. Mm -hmm. So 
from a technical perspective, like how do you program those features? It's, it's pretty easy. So open tracking involves inserting a image tag into the email that is sent. So if you're sending a campaign to 100 people, we insert a unique image tag into all 100 emails. That's what allows us to gather that open tracking data. And from an interface perspective, it's just a checkbox. So the user just checks, I want open tracking or I don't. Okay. Uh, that came shortly after uh, converting the sending process to an asynchronous process. Uh, and then right after open tracking, we added click tracking. Uh, and again, it's not a difficult technical thing to do. Adding click tracking to an email marketing product involves using some regular expressions to find the links in the campaign and then modifying those links so that they hit our server first and then redirect to the actual link so that we can capture the link and then generating the report in some readable, aesthetically pleasing way back to the user. Yeah. Uh, so those two features, those two statistical features were added shortly after. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. That is actually how, from my understanding, that's how most uh, email marketing applications do that, right? They insert maybe like a pixel like a yep. single pixel image. That's um, how everyone does it. There's no yeah. other way to do that. That's that's super interesting to me, given that in like 2019, um, you would think that there would be, uh, it just shows how far behind email is. I guess email applications are, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's difficult to push email forward because email is so widely used. And anytime mm -hmm. you have something that's so widely used, if you want to introduce a change to the fundamental email protocol, which is called SMTP, mm -hmm. you have to get everybody who makes email software to get on board and adapt to that change. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's if we look at um, maybe like a, a sister technology, um, like HTML markup, right, with the worldwide consortium, W3C, um, they need to convince essentially... 10 or fewer browser makers, right? To adopt right. these standards. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but, you know, going back to my experience in higher ed, I had colleagues who still used command line email. Like still, like yeah. three years ago. Like Elm, <laughs> Elm, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, why are you using, you know, like we have graphical interfaces. Goes, <laughs> I don't want that. I just want to read my email. And I'm like, Man, that's wild. <laughs> so, that is wild. That is um, wild. Yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, you need to get Outlook and anybody who talks to Outlook's email servers, you need to get Google and Apple Mail and anybody. There are dozens of email apps, right? Yeah, like yeah. On, on the iOS store, on the Mac store, on the Windows store. Yeah. Um, well, actually, so, you yeah. know, now that you mentioned that, you know, you said how, how, an HTML change only has to cater to maybe a dozen browsers. It is true that there are basically only two companies in the world that run the email ecosystem, and they're Microsoft and Google. Mm -hmm. If you're a company and your company uses email, you're, you're either on the Microsoft uh, Outlook platform or you're on the G Suite platform. Right. Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, I tried using other ones. And I was like, oh, why am I not just paying five bucks a month? All right. Suite, and that's right? what like, it costs. So it's, yeah. it's generally affordable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've looked into like Proton Mail. Like I liked like their privacy yeah, settings yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. As, you know, I know Gmail. You know, going back to now what my professor said, I'm familiar with Gmail, but also yeah. everybody, 
you can assume if someone's using Gmail, the email you get sent will be processed the way you assume it will be, right? Right, right. Um, but then that also goes back to like, you know, talking about stats and how you do open tracking and click tracking. Um, designing email is the same way, right? You still need to use HTML tables because you can't assume the latest versions of HTML will work in every email client. Correct. Yeah. There's tons of information on the web about how to design an email so that it's the most compatible across the most number of email clients. Um, uh, uh, and yeah, so people do still use table tags in email where they would not use table tags in designing a web page because there's easier ways in CSS to accomplish that. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. Now, small business owners wear a lot of hats. I know I am one of them. And while some hats are great, like doing this podcast and getting to talk to people, others, like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, are not so great. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and managing a team actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And as a New Yorker subplanted to Pennsylvania, uh, the not paying my local taxes thing bit me a couple of times. So it would be it would have been great to have Gusto then. Uh, plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits or even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts too. This sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2020 for your business, right? Uh, But here's the thing. Deadlines for the new year creep up earlier than you think, and you're going to want to get started now. I don't know about you, but I know that I've started thinking about this stuff around this time. And all of a sudden, February or March is here, and I'm like, I need to do something about my taxes. So don't wait let Gusto make it easier on you. As a bonus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. I certainly am. Uh, and you can try a bonus and see it for yourself over at gusto.com build. So get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself over at gusto.com build. Thanks so much to Gusto for their support of this show. So I guess this is another good question for you. I use ConvertKit for my email marketing. Yep. I don't have any special templates. Like I've read like just plain text works best anyway. So mine is just straight up text. Yep. Um, do, you do, do you do any designing inside of Gmail? Or is yeah. it mostly just, okay. Right. So how do, you, well, how do you do that? Yeah. So you can. So right, right. the Gmail Compose window is a fully functional HTML editor. So let's say you're a MailChimp user. You can literally copy and paste your MailChimp template over from MailChimp into the Gmail Compose window and using actually a combination of a couple other plugins, you can access the HTML source code and manipulate it and it will render just fine in the Gmail Compose window. And in that sense, using a product like mine or even some of my competitors, you can send a rich text HTML campaign through Gmail. Now, from an email marketing trend perspective, it's interesting because email campaigns have become more and more text-based over time because there has been this tendency to want the email to look as natural and as personal and as typed by a human being as possible. 
And so if you're interested in getting the highest reply rates, so let's say your goal is to get a reply rather than a click. Mm-hmm. You're probably doing like an outreach campaign, maybe to influencers, yeah. hoping to get some engagement, hoping to develop a relationship. If your goal is to get a reply, you probably want to send just text. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to get a click, like you're an e-commerce retailer and you're sending out a promotion and you want people to click and go to your store and buy something, then graphics are more appropriate. Ah, that's so this is a really good takeaway, right, for the listeners and for me. Uh, if you want a reply, just text works best. I've 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 noticed that lately as I've changed my own campaigns, right? Like when somebody signs up for my um my clickbait, my opt-in, um, <laughs> <laughs> I always send them a follow-up question of like, you know, what's the number one question you have about podcasting? Um, and I get a lot of replies because it's very, it's just text. It's it's very, it looks like I wrote it myself. Yeah. Um, but my, you know, when I send out my weekly newsletter, that's usually composed of links. It gets decent click rate, but I'd like to raise those. And uh, if if your goal is to get a click, you said images are best. Yeah, that's. I mean, you don't have to, but that's where that's where they can serve you well if used in moderation and the whole thing is still well designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another really good point, right? Like if you have if you still have like a three column multicolor thing, it just kind of looks overwhelming, right? right. And could look pretty bad yeah. inside like, of whatever a, email client. You're a great using. example is when Amazon.com sends you a product recommendation based on your purchase history. The Amazon.com email will contain a picture of the product because right. you know it should because it makes the email more valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good point. Um, cool. Well, I love that piece of advice. Uh, as we are, uh, as as we are getting to the end of this interview, um, I do want to ask you. Uh, you've had some pretty good evolutions, right? You've added stats, you added uh, the performance enhancements. Um, What's maybe one other big feature that you've added since launching and what are your plans for the future? Yeah, so uh, another big feature we've added is um, we have this tool called the Inbox Spam or Promotions tool. And it's a button and if you hit this button within the GMAS interface, we'll send a copy of your email to about 20 internal addresses that we maintain. And then we'll almost instantly show you out of those 20 addresses, which of them landed in the inbox, which of them landed in the spam folder, and which landed in promotions. And to build off of that, our next big feature launch, which is going to be in a couple weeks, is going to be called the Spam Solver Tool. And that will be an evolution of the Inbox Spammer Promotions Tool, where not only will we send your email out to test addresses and show you where it's landing, but we'll automatically vary elements of your email until your inbox rate is at some certain high threshold. So we might make your subject line all lowercase, or we might eliminate the graphics in the body of your email, or we might route the email through a different server. We're going to run all these variations for you automatically and then tell you, okay, this is what you should change in your email because this is what's proven to get a higher inbox placement. Wow, that's really cool. Um, That's really cool because in... As far as I know, I'm I'm not like a power user, but I have no idea when emails I send actually get sent to spam or not. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so there are other tools that do that. Like the inbox spammer promotion tool isn't the only tool that does that. There's a company called, uh, called G-Lock um, that's probably the most well-known company in that space. But you know, as long as email has been around, no one has ever written a tool like what we're about to launch, which we're going to call the Spam Solver. Um, so we're hoping that'll be, that'll, that'll be a big deal for us. Yeah, that's super cool. We'll cer- we'll certainly keep an eye on that. I suspect by the time this episode comes out, uh, well, I won't say it. I'll check before the episode comes out, and then in the intro, I will mention if it's out or not. Um, I'll add like a pre-show bumper. So uh, that's that's really cool. I will certainly look forward to that though, because um, I think that's uh, like you said, a very unique tool. Um, so as we wrap up, I do need to ask my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, GMAS has been built upon many trade secrets, uh, but one that I'm willing to share is the importance of reviews and asking customers for reviews. So GMAS is significantly bigger than it should be based on the size of the company and how much money we spend on sales and marketing. GMAS is significantly bigger than it should be because we've mastered our review game, I'll say. So whether you're a restaurant on Yelp or a software app with a listing on on Captera or G2 Crowd or a Chrome extension on the Chrome Web Store, getting everybody you can to write a review is instrumental in visibility. The more reviews you have, the higher you jump in the rankings, not necessarily on the Google search engine, but on the platform that's important right. to you. So if right. Yelp is your platform or the Chrome Web Store is your platform or the, the iOS App Store is your platform, reviews drive your visibility. And we've done a good job at asking users for reviews. That's fantastic. I've, I love that. Uh, I feel like that needs to be reinforced with me. I've been kind of toying with my call to action at the end of the show whether I say like share it with a friend or give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that's the platform that's most important to me. Um, but for a while, when I was doing the uh, call to action to leave a rating and a review, this show cracked the top 20 uh, podcasts in tech for a little while. Oh. Um, yeah, so when I saw that go down, I was like, all right, I'll get, I'll ask people to share it. And then maybe for this season, I'll go back to, asking for a rating and review. I'm, I'm experimenting a bit, but yeah. um, I did notice a noticeable uh, change in my downloads and my placement in the, uh, in the directory. So oh, um, yeah, yeah. really, really fantastic advice there. Um, definitely put a process in place to uh, garner and, or, or elicit reviews from your customers. Yes. Cool. Um, AJ, thanks so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter. I'm part-time snob on Twitter. You can nice. email me at AJ, which is spelled A-J-A-Y, at gmas.co. Um, and if you want my phone number to call me, contact me through one of those other channels first, and I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, I will include both of those as well as a link to the Chrome extension for GMAS in the show notes for this episode over at How I Built It. How I built dot it. Uh, AJ, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. It's been great. 
thanks so much to AJ for joining me today. I uh, really, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I know I say that every week, but my guests this season have been absolutely incredible. Um, I loved his trade secret, uh, like asking for reviews from customers. By the way, if you like this episode, please review it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And I love that we got to talk development and marketing, two things that I'm very passionate about, one of those things which I'm better at. Thanks so much to our sponsors. Uh, Those are Ahoy, Patreon, and Gusto. They make the show happen, so check them out as a thank you. If you like this episode and this show, be sure to subscribe. You can head over to howibuilt.it slash subscribe to get all of the subscription links. You can get all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 139. And if you are interested in creating your own podcast, you can get my free workbook over at podcastliftoff.com. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.